0: Today, I want to tell you about the most meaningful relationship in my life. It may come as a surprise to you, but the best relationship I ever had was not with a husband or a friend, but with my mother in law, Naomi. How many of you can say that you have that kind of relationship with your mother in law? Naomi had a rough life. She and her husband and two sons lived during a terrible famine in Israel. And they had to move far away to a land called Moab, my land, in order to survive. While they lived in Moab, Naomi rejoiced to see both of her sons married, one to me and one to my sister-in-law, Orpah. But Naomi's joy turned to sorrow when her husband and both her sons died, leaving her alone and destitute in a land that was not her own. She was so devastated that she changed her name from Naomi, meaning pleasant, to Mara, which means bitter. She had lost all hope when she lost her family. When Naomi decided to go back to Israel, she told Orpah and me to go back to our families. But I could not leave Naomi. She was too old to marry again, so she had no way to support herself. You women out there today can go and get jobs and be independent. But in my society, a woman without a father, a husband, or any sons had almost no way to earn income. I decided I would go with her to Israel, where her people would be my people, and her God my God. My vow to stay with Naomi changed her outlook on life. I could tell that having me by her side gave her hope. My very presence encouraged her, and my love for her gave her a reason to live. In order to support us, I gathered leftover grain in the fields that were being harvested. It was hard work, but it gave us food to eat. It was during this time of gathering that I met the man that would be my future husband, Boaz. At that time, I could not even hope that such a kind and important man would ever want me as a wife. But Naomi was my inspiration to talk to him. She encouraged me to reach out to him, assuring me that he would be crazy not to notice me. And she was right. Because of her faith in me and her support, I did marry Boaz, and we had a wonderful son named Obed. Life changed for Naomi and me because we loved each other and encouraged one another when there was little reason to hope. The rich relationships that we shared led bitter Mara to become pleasant Naomi again. And it changed me from a widow into a wife and mother. Praise the God of Israel for the encouragement and hope that comes from these meaningful relationships.
1: Good morning. My name's Steve, and uh, I'm the, one of the pastors here at First Baptist. We're glad to have you here. If you would like to go to the elementary school children's hour now, you may, as long as you're of that age group. <clears throat> Great to see you in worship this morning. And uh, I'd like for you to find this green sheet, because we're going to be using it. And we're doing something a little dif- different today. I hope that's okay. But I'm going to uh, preach three sermons instead of one. <clears throat> You've been so encouraging to me lately, I just decided why not do three sermons. So I appreciate all the great feedback, and uh, let's start right now. <clears throat> now, don't, you don't need to answer out loud, but I'm going to ask you a question, and I'd like you to fill in the blank, kind of complete the question. The question, or the statement is this, it's not a question, but a statement. The statement is, I would like to grow, and how would you answer that question? I would like to grow. Now, I did a little research, and according to Google, the uh, shortest man in the world is two feet five inches tall. His name is Mr. Ping Ping, and I'm going to show you a picture of him right here. There he is, Mr. Ping Ping. He's a young man, and um, he uh, reportedly is the shortest person, the shortest man in the world. Now, the tallest man in the world, I'll show you another one, lives in the Ukraine, but he's very shy. And he does not like, he, he won't allow anybody to actually measure him, so he's not officially the tallest man in the world. He's about eight feet plus. And you can see him standing there next to his car. This gentleman here from Mongolia is actually the, the record holder for the tallest man in the world. And you can see he's getting married. And uh, he's about twice as tall as his wife. I think he's seven feet, some inches tall. I think seven, five, seven, six, somewhere in there. And then this final picture is a picture of the tallest man and the shortest man in the world. Isn't that amazing? Shaking hands. Well, I don't know, but I suppose Mr. Ping Ping might fill in the sentence, I would like to grow taller. And I, I would imagine the tallest guy might like to fill in the sentence and say, I would like to grow shorter. I'm not sure. But this morning we are talking, we're in week number four of 40 Days of community. And we are building community because we are better together. And this morning I want to talk to you about how do we grow together to be the person Jesus wants us to be. Here's a Bible verse that really sets the stage for what we're doing today. And uh, I'd like to put it up on the screen and you could read it with me. Because this really kind of sums up growing together. So let's read this verse. From the very beginning, God decided that those who came to him, and all along he knew who would... Should become like his son. Now, what's that last part of the sentence? Should become like his son. And that's really the theme of today. How do you and I become more like Jesus? And the truth is that we are better together. And to be more like Jesus, I need you and you need me to help us become all we can be in Christ. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Today. And I actually want to give you some very practical things that you can do to become more like Christ and to help me become more like Christ. So are you ready? Now, why do you suppose this sheet is green? Growing. We're going to grow a little bit today. And I hope that you'll take this sheet with you somewhere this week because there are some things you're going to forget. I mean, I'm going to forget them, and I'm preaching the sermon. There's things you will forget, but you can take this with you and actually practice it throughout the week and so i want to encourage you today now the first growth step can be we help each other grow by affirming each other's worth by affirming each other's worth now why would we affirm each other's worth well one reason is because every person is made in the image of god in your bulletin is this insert and we put it in there about once a month it's from the it's about christian history and there's a great guy talked about i hope you'll read this instead of watch football this afternoon or do both uh, but it's about John Chrysostom. And in it, John Chrysostom said these words, or, or believed this. He said, all human, all human beings mirror God's image. John believed, but the poor, he said, the suffering, those with whom John could see lying everywhere, both in the alleyways and the marketplaces, do so in a special way because they reflect the, hum- the humanity of Jesus' incarnation. When God became human... He took upon Himself all the conditions of our fallen state except sin. You and I value every single person because every single person is created in the image of God. People matter. People matter to God and people matter to us. Therefore, you and I ought to be in the business of affirming each other. Now, today we're especially talking about affirming those in the body of Christ. Sisters and brothers in Christ. And I I want to talk to you about that. So, I'd like, I've asked my mom to help me out. So mom, if you'll come up here, uh, she's going to help me out today and we're gonna, we're talking right now about doing what? Affirming. Affirming. The front row got it. <laughs> we're talking about doing what? Affirming. Affirming. Okay, a couple of people got it. Good morning mom, how are you? Good, Good to see you. Now, I'm gonna give you some different ways that you can actually affirm people. And the first fill-in-the-blank here, we're going to go through these pretty quickly, but the first one is with acceptance. With acceptance. <laughs> uh, someone read the Bible verse we're going to put up on the screen. Would somebody read that real quickly? Accept one another as Christ accepted you. Okay, great. Accept one another as Christ accepted you. So you're not really going to affirm anybody if you don't, first of all, start by accepting them. The second one is... Uh, With attention. You affirm people with attention. The Bible says, give special attention to those who are in the family of believers. Give special attention to those who are in the family of believers. Now, about a week ago, you had a birthday. Uh And uh, in advance of my mom's birthday, of course, we knew it was coming. It comes the same time every year. It's not hard to remember. Um, We said, Mom, why don't you come over for dinner? And so Joyce prepared a great meal for my mom, We invited my brother down. He was able to come with his wife from Palmdale. And we gathered and we spent Friday evening together laughing, eating, enjoying one another's company. We gave some funny cards to my mom. We gave some serious cards to my mom. We gave her some gifts. And just, it was our way of saying, we appreciate you. You've been a great mom. And so we we sought to affirm her and show her affection. Well, That's another one. That's the third fill in the blank. Love one another with brotherly affection as members of the family. And then the last one is with appreciation. And we appreciated her. Brothers and sisters, appreciate those who work among you and love the Lord as they teach you. So we tried to express those things to my mom, and we had a great time. We even got out the the computer and set it on the table and watched some Saturday Night Live. You've, You've been keeping up with that. Isn't that hilarious? So we had, a, we had a great time. We talked a little bit about politics and talked about a lot of things. Now, one of the reasons I think we all appreciate our mom, but one of the reasons uh, I appreciate my mom was she put up with me for so long. Uh, she's still putting up with me. And it's such a delight for Joyce and me to have my parents in the church. But when I was a teenager, um was in the 60s, and uh, we had some great times back then at the expense of our parents and others. And I can remember one time coming home. true story. It was 2 o'clock in the morning, and I came in. The house light was on. There was my mom in the kitchen scrubbing floors. And I said, Mom, what are you doing? And she said, I'm scrubbing floors. And I went to bed and thought, that's ridiculous. Why would you scrub floors in the middle of the night? Well, what was she actually doing? Waiting for me, praying for me, and scrubbing floors. The scrubbing floors was incidental. But she was so worried because I'd been in and out of trouble and, you know, where's my son? Has he wrecked another car? What's, what's going on? And, uh, you know, she prayed me through those years. So, Mom, I just want to express affection to you and say thanks. I love you. I love you. I love you. <clears throat> <Okay. clears throat> now, in the, in the vignette that you just heard, Ruth and Naomi... That's a great story of affection. Uh, it's a story of foreigners, people who had great gaps in between them, and yet they expressed affection to one another. Ruth loved her mother-in-law. And Ruth loved her mother-in-law so well that the neighborhood actually began to, the neighbors came to Naomi and said, You know, Naomi, Ruth to you is better than seven sons. She's such an amazing woman. And it all grew out of the affection that Ruth expressed to Naomi. And Naomi back to Ruth. So this morning, as we think about ways in which we can grow together, we can grow together as we express affection one another. Um, this past Sunday, a week ago, Eddie and I received some of your affection. I went home and I opened up those cards and notes and I read through them and I said, wow, this is, this is great. And there was a lot of appreciation from you to us. And we appreciate that. Right now, another thing I appreciate about this church, we're talking about the World Mission Offering. We're trying to raise at least $10,000 to be given to ministries overseas. In your worship folder, there's some information from uh, Sarah Chetty, who is a a missionary along with her husband in Lebanon. A little story there about her ministry. And as you and I give to support missions, 100% of that money goes outside the United States to work with our mission partners and missionaries and other churches. And it's another way that we affirm and encourage people by our giving. So this morning, I just uh, want to remind us that we're better together and that as we appreciate and affirm one another, we help each other grow in Jesus Christ. To God be the glory.
2: Ladies, have you ever thought that your husband suffers from an occasional case of stubbornness? Well, I have. My husband, Zachariah, used to be so stubborn that after a quarrel, I would often throw my hands up in the air and I'd say, even if an angel himself came down from heaven and told you that it is so, you still would not believe it. And then one day an angel did come down from heaven and spoke to him. And did he believe him? Well, here is what happened. One day when Zachariah was at work in the sanctuary, an angel named Gabriel told him that I, Elizabeth, barren but, and also very old, would give him a son. By that time, of course, we had both given up hope that a baby would ever coo or crawl around our house. Zachariah just couldn't believe him. Because of that stubborn unbelief, he did not speak again for nine months. By the time I was six months pregnant, I was still trying to wrap my mind around all these changes. Baby in a womb, a mute husband, who wrote very little about what had occurred on a slate. One day, as I was hanging out some clothes to dry, who do I see climbing up the hill to my house but my young cousin Mary? She was not surprised at all to see me with child. She already heard it from that angel, Gabriel. She had some news of her own. She was pregnant, too. (gasps) Mary! No, it's not my fiance Joseph. It's a miracle, she said. My son would be called the son of the Most High, a king of a kingdom that would never end. As she was saying all these things, I just stood there in sheer awe, and out of my mouth came a sudden outburst of blessings, and the baby inside of me moved as if leaping in incontrollable joy. For the next three months, Mary stayed with us. I don't know what I would have done without her. Don't forget, Zechariah was dumb. Not that he was very chatty to start with. <laughs> Having a supportive friend, a female companion, that I could talk to was a gift from God. We were two pregnant women brought closer by the same miraculous experience. One a virgin and the other one barren and of old age. We kept encouraging each other by repeating Gabriel's words. There is no cannot with God. Daily we praise the Lord together. I loved Mary's prayers. She would speak to God in these wonderful songs. When our son John was born, my husband's tongue was loosened, stubborn no more. The first thing he did, he burst into a song of praise, not unlike those that Mary used to sing walking around our house. Then he told me in surprisingly many words what exactly the angel said to him in that sanctuary. He learned that our son would be great in the sight of the Lord and filled with the Holy Spirit. I was then reminded of Mary's prayer. The Mighty One has done great things for me. He remembered to be merciful to me. And I knew this is just the beginning of God's favor. Mary's baby is yet to be born.
1: You got your miracle Grow sheet out? We help each other grow by affirming each other, and, but there are other ways to help each other grow. It would be interesting to go through the New Testament with the lens that's looking for just those stories where one person helps another person grow. Mary and Elizabeth helped each other grow together. They blessed each other in God as they were together and it's a fabulous story. There are many such stories in the Bible, and we are better together. Now, I'm going to ask you a question again, and I would really like you to answer the question, but not out loud, okay? So here's what I'd like you to do. Um, It's a yes or no answer, and if you're answering yes, just wiggle your toes, okay? Is there anybody in this church, or is there anybody in your small group, or is there anybody in your Sunday school class... Or is there anybody in the choir, or is there anybody on the board that irritates you? Other than the pastor, I mean. Just wiggle your toes if you can think of one person in this congregation that actually irritates you. Ah, oh, isn't it great? You know what you can do for that person? Pray. That's our next statement that will help us and help one another grow. If you pray for me, and if I pray for you, we are going to grow. We can help each other grow. So let's talk about uh, praying for each other and helping each other to grow in the Lord. Now, I want to give you a couple of examples of this, and then I'm going to ask you to do something. I don't know about you, but uh, I get stuck in prayer ruts. That is to say, it's easy for me when I go to prayer to kind of say the same thing I said yesterday and the same thing I said the day before. You understand. Now, one of the disciplines I've tried to develop in my life, and I do pretty good at it, is that I don't like to leave the house until I've sat in my prayer chair in my place where I read my Bible and pray, and I try to sit there in the morning before I leave the house, and I, I pray for certain people. I always pray for Joyce. I always pray for my sons, I always pray for their wives, I always pray for the grandkids. A lot of times I'll pray for my brothers or my parents. Now, how does that usually go? Well, dear Lord, bless Joyce today, keep her safe, and I'm on to the next person. Right? I mean, you're laughing because you you pray that way, right? You just kind of throw it out there. Now, what else are you going to say, you know? Uh, But anyhow, so I get stuck in that rut of prayer. Now here's something that's going to be very helpful to you and I that's why I want you to take this grow sheet with you this week because I'd like you to and I'm going to try this myself but I'll forget if I don't have this with me so if you'll take this along with you it's going to help you pray differently it's going to add color to your prayer you know you can see these pictures up here there's some gorgeous blues and purples it'd be so much uh, it'd be so much less interesting if it was just black and white right This is a way of adding color to your prayer. Now, I'm going to show you what to do, and then we're going to do it uh, ourselves. Now, let's start, and I want to run through this. Um, Recently, my son called me, Roger, and he runs a business, and it's a tough time for small businesses, and he was talking to me about that and asking for prayer. And, you know, I pray God bless Roger, God help Roger in his business. Well, there's a whole other way I could pray for Roger, and in the first fill-in-the-blank here, it says, pray, when you pray for someone, pray they grow spiritually mature. Because the Bible verse says, Epaphras, he was a friend of Paul's, he was a Christian, always prays for you, and, and he prays that you'll grow spiritually mature. Did you ever pray for anybody they grow spiritually mature? You ought to pray that for the pastor. That's a great prayer. Instead of just saying, God bless Roger, I say, God help Roger to be spiritually mature. Wow. Uh, Another one. Uh, Number two, pray that they grow to feel and know how much God loves them. And there's a verse there about love. I pray that you'll be able to understand. And Paul goes on and on. This is actually a long verse. You just get a condensed version. He goes on and on, simply praying that you know, or the Ephesians know, how much God loves you. Did you ever pray that for someone, just that they know and understand God's love? That would change our prayer life. Number three, pray that they do right. (laughs) Yes, that's a good prayer. I pray you will always be eager to do what is right. Uh, A fourth way to pray, and you might not use all of these. You might just pick out one that really works for that person. Uh, Pray that they have God's hope, peace, and what would the last one be? Joy. Sure, look at the verse. Uh, there's uh, Paul's uh, blessing to the Romans that they be filled with, that God, the God of hope gives them much joy and peace as they trust in God. So you could pray for joy. A fifth one, pray that they make good choices. Wow, now if you've got children, that's a great prayer, right? Pray for your kids instead of just being safe at school, pray that they make great choices. I pray God would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. You could pray for your friends, your children, a family member, that they have God's spirit of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge. Uh, sixth one, pray... Oh, this one hurts. You could pray this for lots of people, huh? For yourself. Pray that they are loving and patient. Are you all real patient? Well, I guess patient crowd. They're patient with me here. I... I thought we could all groan when we put this one out. Pray that they're patient. Uh, The Scripture says, I pray the Lord will give you, will guide you to be as loving as God and as patient as Christ. (laughs) That's a standard. As loving as God and as patient as Christ. And then a seventh one, pray that they are strong. I pray that God will strengthen you by his power. Now, uh, these are just words. They really don't mean anything unless we do them, unless we actually do them. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of one person in this church or in your small group or somebody you know. And we're talking about working within the body of Christ here. So it might be a family member that's not in this church. It might be another Christian somewhere. But I'd like for you to think of one person you're going to pray for right now. You got the name? Raise your hand if you got a name here. I want to see. Okay, great. You've got a name in mind. Now look over that list of seven things. And pick out one thing, only one, that you're going to pray for that person. You might pray they be spiritually mature. You might pray they be more patient. You might pray they make the right choice. You might pray that they be strong. Now, I gave you this example a minute ago for my son, Roger. And as I looked over the list, strength was the one that came to me. And so my prayer would be, dear God, please help Roger to be strong. A one-sentence prayer. You got that? You've got a person in mind and you've got a one-sentence prayer? Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up. Thank you. And I want you to, you don't need to go anywhere. Just turn and get in a group of two or three or four, no more than four. And when you get there, one of you be the leader. Now, here's what the leader does. The leader says, let's pray. You're not going to share anything. You're just going to pray. Don't be talking about the football game yesterday or today. Just pray. That, and you're going to pray for that one person, you've got their name, right? Right, Pastor? Right? 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 Okay, you've got the name and you've got the idea that you're going to pray for them, right? So you just turn right now, get into group and let's 10 a minute or two pray.
3: My name is Paul, and I'm a recovering sinner. You can read about me in the Bible. In fact, you can even find some letters that I myself wrote in there. I founded many of the very first Christian churches. I went on three long missionary journeys, and I traveled throughout the ancient world. Through my ministry, thousands of people were converted to Christ. They even say that my work was instrumental in preserving the early church's very existence. But none of it, I repeat, none of it would have been possible without a man who, against all opposition, came to my defense. Let me tell you that story. You see, I was a wretch once, breathing murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. I was there when they killed Stephen, the first Christian martyr. I was there encouraging them to pick the heaviest stones they could find to throw at him. I volunteered to search the synagogues for the followers of Jesus and gladly took them as prisoners to Jerusalem. But then, one day as I was on my way to Damascus to do even greater harm to those who followed Christ, God spoke to me. Everything changed for me on that day. But a lot of folks didn't believe it was real. The leaders in Jerusalem, those Christians I had persecuted so fiercely, they didn't want anything to do with me. I tried telling them that I was a changed man, but they didn't want to hear it. They were all still terrified of me. And then he came looking for me. His name was Joseph, and he was a Levite from Cyprus. After Jesus had died and come back, Joseph sold all that he owned and brought the money, and he put it at the apostles' feet. From then on, they called him Barnabas, which means the son of encouragement. That name fit him like a glove. He found me, he listened to me, believed me, and then he took me to see the disciples in Jerusalem. Barnabas told them of my journey and how the Lord had spoken to me. He told them that he had heard me preach in Damascus and that I did it fearlessly in the name of Jesus. They believed him and they believed me and they embraced me with open arms because of him. But it didn't stop there. Barnabas also got me involved in missions. When he was sent to deal with a few problems in Antioch, he looked for me and brought me along to Antioch with him. In fact, it was there in Antioch that the disciples were first called, as you call yourselves today, Christians. The Holy Spirit announced to everybody that he wanted Barnabas and me set apart for God's work. From then on, the two of us hit the road. We went first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. The whole thing took And it grew and it multiplied and exploded throughout the ancient world. Oh, those times we had, we were threatened and we were persecuted. But we also did great signs and marvels for God. My ministry was so fruitful because of Barnabas and the way he reached out to me. In the book of Acts, where our adventures are recorded, he is described beautifully just as I remember him. When Barnabas saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad, and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord.
1: But what do you think a third thing we can do to help each other grow might be? Encouragement. I need your encouragement. You need my encouragement. And we can help each other become more like Jesus by encouraging each other's commitment. You encourage my commitment to Christ. I encourage your commitment to Christ. And together we grow. Here's a couple of verses that I want us to read out loud together. This first verse is actually the centerpiece of our class 201, which we're going to offer in a couple of weeks. Pastor Eddie and I will be teaching that class soon. If you haven't been through 201, I hope you'll sign up to be with us on the first Sunday in November. But let's read this together. Keep yourself in training for a godly life. Now let's all read it together. Keep yourself in training for a godly life. One more time. You're doing great. Keep yourself in training for a godly life. Uh, that word training is so important. If you are involved in any kind of sport, in any kind of athletics, you realize that the minute you stop training, you stop sliding backwards. I like to cycle. If I don't get on a bike for two or three weeks, I know it. I can't ride as long or as far or as fast as I did when I got off the bike three weeks earlier. You, you just slip slide away. And so in the Christian life, it's a, it's a matter of constantly committing ourselves to Christ and growing in Christ. Here's another verse I'd like for us to read it together. I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help you, me, and my faith will help you. Thank you. Your faith will help me, and my faith will help you. How would you like to be named Barnabas? (laughs) Call you Barney? Barn? Mr. B? Mr. B would be what I'd want to be called if that was my name. But that would be, it would be kind of fun if in church life we actually named people according to what they're doing. Uh-oh, that could be an uh-oh, but interesting thought. Now, that's what happened to Joseph, now called Barnabas. He, uh, there was a need in the church. Churches have always taken offerings, and he sold a field. He didn't bring 10% of the money to the church. He brought 100%. And the church knew about it. It was a public deal, and he brought the money, and it said he laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, that money did something. They used that money in the church for mission. But not only that, his very act of giving encouraged the apostles It met a need. It was tremendous. We're talking about the World Mission Offering right now, and there's this insert in your bulletin that says, Help Abolish Human Slavery. And I mentioned Sarah Chetty, and her husband is a professor in Lebanon, and it says a little bit about what they're doing. But when you and I give an offering to the World Mission Offering... That money goes overseas. It does so many things in so many ways. First of all, it actually supports a missionary or it supports a mission project. It supports a church. It may help dig dig wells in Thailand. It It may help with trying to grow better crops in Congo. It may help somewhere in Latin America. But that money goes out, and it meets a real need. But the very fact that we gave it is also an encouragement to the missionaries. They know it was given, and their hearts are built up. The fact that we gave it is an encouragement to our church and to other churches. Uh, I again want to congratulate First Baptist Pasadena. We have always been a mission-giving church. We have always had retired ministers and missionaries as part of our church. I think that helps us to give. Um, I looked this up on the website just to make sure I wasn't telling a lie in church. And uh, you can look around. We're about 200 people every Sunday morning. I hope you'll pray with me that we'll be 400 soon. But uh, that's not what I'm trying to say here. Uh, you know, the, I don't know what the average size of the American Baptist Church is, but there are lots of churches that are a lot larger than ours. However, when I look at the World Mission Offering contributions to international ministries, out of American Baptist Churches, over 5,000, we're number 20 on the list. That's how high we are. And I commend you for that kind of giving, because we're certainly not the 20th largest church of ABC. So a great heart for missions. And I want to encourage you as you give sacrificially to this offering. So that's that's one way we encourage each other. Barnabas was an encourager. Now, just as I asked you to think about somebody that needed prayer and you're going to pray for, um, think with me about somebody that needs encouragement in the Lord. Now, we're not talking about just a at a boy a slap on the back, good job. We're talking about encouraging people to be more like Jesus, more Christ-like. One of the friends that Joyce and I have come to know through the ministry here at First Baptist is Christina Cogan. She is in the Army. She's a chaplain and was just ordained last year. And Christina is now serving in Korea. In fact, we need to remember her birthday's coming up in November. Anyhow, Christina was at our house or in the office. I don't know where she was someday, but I was opening a letter, and she said, What's that? And I said, Well, it's a note from my dad. And I went on to explain to her there was a little, very brief note, and in that note was a little card like this. And she said, well, what is it? And I said, well, every month my dad writes me a note and he sends me a scripture verse or a quote. And Christina said, wow, I can't believe that. She said, I wish I had a dad like that. Now, what I happen to know about Christina is that her dad has rejected her. He doesn't want to see her. She's reached out to him, but he just holds her at arm's length. She's an amazing, wonderful, young Christian woman. But he pushes her away. How blessed am I? to have parents like I have. And a dad who encourages me in Christ, he, he cares so much that I don't fall away, he sends me a note, he sends me a scripture, he sent me a quote from C.S. Lewis, and he said, you guys need to read this every day. Now, he doesn't just send it to me, he sends it to my brothers, he sends it to my sons, to his grandchildren, writes them a note. That's kind of encouraging, isn't it? Uh, in fact, I was talking to Adam, my youngest son, and he said, you know, if Grandpa doesn't stop Sending me these notes, I'm not going to be able to carry my wallet, because he puts them all in his wallet and it's getting too fat. <laughs> I said, well, the idea, Adam, is just take one of them and, and use that for the week. But how do you encourage someone? Are you an encourager? The Scripture encourages us to encourage one another in our faith walk in Jesus Christ. And you and I have got to do that. Think about your Sunday school class, think about your small group. In fact, look around you. I sat at my computer yesterday and I was thinking about people I haven't seen in church. So I made a few phone calls. Where are you? We missed you. Think about somebody you're missing today. In fact, I wouldn't mind if you took out your phone and texted them right now. Said, I'm sitting in church and I miss you. Wish you were here. Go ahead. It won't bother me. I'd rather you wouldn't make a phone call right now, but you can go ahead and text them right now. But who's missing that you want to encourage in Christ? Because, friends, that's what we need. We need to be with one another. And that's what this whole day, being in a small group, being in a Sunday school class, being in the choir together, it's about growing together in Jesus Christ. And you cannot grow alone. just doesn't work that way. So I hope you'll use this sheet and pour some miracle grow on somebody this week. You can practice this just by smiling at the next clerk you see in the store you're in. Encourage someone. We've got Christ in our lives. Can't we be encouragers like Barnabas? Of course we can. We just need to decide to do it. Now, there's one more uh, thing that I want to mention as we try and grow together, and this is very important. We touched on it last week, but the last point is we, we grow together by admitting our mistakes. Uh, could you groan with me on this one? I don't like this one at all. We grow together by admitting our mistakes. Uh, come on, do better than that. We grow together by admitting our mistakes. Uh, or another spread, Ugh, do I have to, you know? Ah. Mistakes, whoever makes mistakes. Well, some of us do. In fact, in my ideal church, every Sunday, you, you couldn't come into membership if you didn't learn this. In my ideal church, here's what we do. We'd, um, we have some friends here from uh, Granada Hills Baptist and Samantha's visiting. Samantha, I'm going to shake your hand in a minute. Hi, my name's Steve. I'm a sinner. That's the way we that's that's nice. That's the way we ought to greet each other. Now, some of you would rather say, I'm a recovering sinner, but some days I wonder if I'm recovering at all. Uh, but we're sinners, right? And we ought to just get that out there. Just because we know Jesus doesn't mean we're perfect. Amen. And so we need to admit our mistakes and be open about that in small groups. And one-on-one relationships and Sunday school classes are places where we can be honest with other people. Now, you don't have to come to church and admit all your mistakes. That's why you need a small group where you can be open and honest and people can care for you and help you to be better than you'd be by yourself in Christ. Uh, Last Sunday, uh, I heard a story about something that happened last Sunday. I heard the story this week. You may recall last Sunday in in this uh, time together, we talked about rocks that break relationships and blocks that build relationships. And I said one of the rocks that breaks a relationship is pride. Another one is resentment. And the block that builds a relationship is humility. And another one is forgiveness. Now, unbeknownst to me... uh, Last Sunday morning, one of our board members had gone to another church member, and I'm going to keep everybody nameless here because the names really don't matter. It's just a great story. Uh, A board member had gone to another church member before church and said, by the way, I need to talk to you. Okay, about what? Well, I need to apologize because I think I may have said something that hurt your feelings or may have been offensive to you. Now, the person receiving the comment had no idea. They hadn't been offended. But nevertheless, this board member said, you know, I feel like I might have said something wrong here and I just wanted to straighten it out. That's called an apology, isn't it? That's a humble heart. That's sensitivity. That's saying, you know, I don't know if I made a mistake or not, but I'm going to work this out. That's great. That's what we're talking about, that kind of openness and transparency with one another, because when we're like that, we're able to grow together. Without that, we're just a bunch of phony hypocrites. So I want to encourage you today... To uh, think about these things, and it may be that in your small group you need to admit a mistake, or maybe it's not a mistake, but you're having a bad week, and you just need to be honest. I need prayer. My marriage is struggling right now. I need prayer. I got laid off work. I need prayer, uh, and just name what you're being honest about. I can remember when I used to play racquetball. I showed up one day, and there's a guy, a young guy, that uh, was quite an athlete. He was a he did competitive skiing, water skiing behind these high-speed boats. And we're playing racquetball together, and I said to him, How's your your day? How's your week gone? This is real early in the morning. And he said, Oh, my mother died yesterday. I mean, we've been playing together for like 45 minutes. And then he wants, you know, next serve. Let's go on. I said, Tom, wait a minute, wait a minute. I went up to him, but, you know, it was just like, Well, this happened, I can't help it, and move on. And so many times us as men, we're like that. We just are not honest about what's going on in our lives. And we need to have somebody we can share that with. So another key issue here for us to grow in Christ is to be able to admit our mistakes. Now, the last thing on this green sheet is a question. Who is God calling you to help grow? And I hope that you'll write down a name or two, or at least put them in your mind, and think of a person that you're going to reach out to this week to help them grow in Christ. You're going to affirm them. You're going to pray for them. You may want to contact them in some other way, maybe through a note or card. You're going to encourage them, and if you need to admit something to them, you're going to do that as well. So who is God calling you to help grow? And then lastly, how will you help them grow? And I've got those boxes you can check off. The Lord bless you today. The Lord help you to grow as you help me to grow. In fact, uh, I need you, and you need me, so that together we can become all Christ wants us to be.